And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Alex Cruz. He'll be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Now, before I get too far into this, I do because... I often forget today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software development team quickly and affordably. But for those of you listening, I have got a problem right now. I've been promoting the podcast on all these different channels, all this different stuff. We've got this really high ranking on the Apple charts, and thank you so much for your support because of it. But with that, I've got this data problem. And so I figured that I would try to solve it now at why not reach out to our own people that we've identified that have great things going on? So I went back to the list of our St. Louis top startups and I found PenPath and I figured out that Alex Cruz is the guy to help me solve my problem. So Alex, welcome to Startup Hustle. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Yeah, and congrats again on making it uh, making it onto the list for the top startups in your city. I was uh, so pleasantly surprised to see so many cool people doing so many cool things in St. Louis, and like people that aren't from Kansas City don't normally know that most of it's in Missouri, not Kansas. So, seeing a lot of cool stuff go on in, in the state of Missouri, that's a lot of fun. But Let's go ahead and dive right in with you letting, uh, well, tell me and everyone listening what your backstory is and what the what brought you to finding a problem worth solving with PenPath. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, uh, it's so funny that right now you're seeing such a growth in terms of the data available for marketing professionals where everybody's on their phone, everything you do is somehow tracked one way or another. And, you know, whether, you know, you're a company using that data or not, people are quickly starting to realize that top, uh, top players in the game are able to use that data to make better decisions that ultimately, you know, affect, uh, you know, help them grow the business and, and improve their bottom line. So, I mean, honestly, that's really where, where I started uh, PenPath is a journey of, you know, starting my own publication in college. Uh, livingthecollegelife.com to getting a, a corporate job to understanding that all these marketers, you'd think that they really have their, you know, their stuff together. Are, are we allowed to cuss? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. There you go. I'll pave the way for you, buddy. There, there you go. You know, you think all these marketers really have their shit together when it comes to knowing everything that's going on, but they don't, man. And I've talked to companies that are making billions of dollars still using Excel and clunky reports. And so that's really what we're passionate about. We're trying to catch that wave and and offer an actual solution to this problem. 
Yeah. And for, you know, for, if you're listening and I, I consider myself to be a marketing and sales guy at heart. So this, I love these kind of episodes. Some people don't consider, okay, so Facebook and Instagram are the same company, but they're not LinkedIn. They're not any of these other things. And they don't have a vested interest in helping you spend money on the other people's platforms. Now, as a salesperson, one of the first rules that you learn is you don't walk your comp, you don't walk your customer to the competition's front door. So, you know, the struggle is real there and then the thing is is like some of these these platforms have different like approaches so i i would imagine that that i mean like you said it's shocking to think about how much money goes out and how archaic some of the tracking methods are now just so we're we're establishing a good base for the problem that we're solving can you give everyone a little bit of insight about what the the end result is from this problem like, like the financial implications or results or anything like that? Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. So we had a client increase their sales by 40% uh, year over year by finding two to three insights in their data that were really game changers. And so, um, you know, for instance, this client uh, sold, you know, sold products online and they were, you know, if you were looking at their marketing spend, and understood where their money was coming in, uh, you would have never guessed that Bing was maybe a competitor or contender, I should say. Um, we quickly identified that a lot of revenue was coming in from Bing Organic. And so after shifting 15% of their budget into Bing, they saw immediate results. Um, and if you dig into the data a little bit more, you would start to realize that their customers were older people. Older people may have Microsoft computers, hello, Bing default search engine, and they were missing this huge pile of money. And so the data allowed them to quickly, you know, innovate. And that's just the beginning. Once they got into that, there was obviously a lot more insights. But that's that's the power of data. A lot of people get, you know, their eyes can glaze over when you talk data. But when you start talking about 40% year over year growth in revenue, um, and this is an established company, this isn't a startup, you're really, you really start to start to, to raise some eyebrows. So I often say that saving money is making money. Um, I also have quoted often that saying cost per click advertising is like crack because it, it gets you high really quickly and leaves you wanting more. That's not from firsthand experience, but that is like you can run through a lot of cash with CPC. It's a mystery and the things are set up to not really teach you how to be good at it right away. Like Google wants you to spend more money. And there's things like, I know people that have purchased CPC ads for years and they didn't even know what a negative keyword was until I told them. And you know, they say that saving money is making money. So like if you can sell more and spend less, you're winning. And I'm assuming that that's a focal point of PenPath. Yeah, it's so, it's so true. And, and unfortunately, there's so much facade. I mean, you think that something as, as basic as Google Analytics is something that, oh, yeah, just set up Google Analytics. But the the complexities of tools like that, you know, if you're a marketer right now, you might have it installed. But, you know, are your events installed correctly? Are you, is it is it linked with your Google ads? And if it's not, you know, do you do that? And then, of course, it's not linked with Facebook. Um, and so there's so many you know, challenges. And it's how reasonable is it for marketers that are barely trying to keep up with today's Facebook ads update to also keep up with, you know, how to gain value from their data. It's, it's truly overwhelming. 
So does PenPath, and, and for those of you listening, it's just like it sounds, P-E-N-P-A-T-H.com. There's a link in the show notes. You know I love it when you are interactive because sometimes we can talk about a lot of crazy stuff. If you just click the link and visit the site, you're going to learn a lot of info there. But So does PenPath actually advise me on setting some things up, like goal tracking or anything like that, or does it plug into existing stuff? Yeah. So it's interesting because when we started, you know, anybody who's starting a business, you have an initial idea of the problem you're going to solve. And when you start solving that problem, you start realizing, and there are other problems that you also have to solve. And so the, the way we really boil it down is we, you know, think of a, a three-way uh, Venn diagram that overlap. And, 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 and the three main things that PenPath delivers is number one, development. So we have to develop a data warehouse. Where does all your data go? How do we connect to all these data sources? You don't want to worry about that if you're a marketer or executive. So we developed that. Um, the second part is technology. You know, if you're a startup, maybe you're trying to build everything from scratch. But really what we did is we partnered with the best professional grade tools on the market. So if any data guys out there might be familiar with tools like Tableau or Looker, um, you know, et cetera, Data Studio. So we partnered with... The literally the premium tools on the market and um, integrated them to work together. Um, and then the third, so number one is again, uh, development, number two, technology, and the third is guidance. So it's like, yeah, there's dev shops that can certainly help you um, when it comes to data science and, and development, but we're just a little, we don't offer everything. We just offer development for the marketing and sales vertical. And so when it comes to developing or uh, yeah, guidance on, how, what data warehouse to use, you know, how you're going to visualize your data, how to, re, you know, build better reports. That's really where we focus our consulting and guidance. And so when you put all those three together, it kind of gives us a special sauce um, on our, on our overall solution. You, you had a very important thing uh, that I want to, uh, you know, it went, and I mean like a golden rule kind of point. First off, it, okay, so if you're trying, if you're thinking about building something, you always go see what's out there. So you mentioned Tableau. Tableau is a platform that exists strictly to help you visualize data. And the thing is, is if it's in spreadsheets and all these other places, like how do you, how do you make this like, how does this actually become real <laughs> you yeah. know because when you see a pie chart it can show you something way different than looking at a column of a spreadsheet and too many people especially when they're in that like trying to make an mvp thing they try to reinvent the wheel and like the thing is is you're never going to be better at at voice recognition than Amazon, like they're running Alexa. And, you know, like, so in some cases you're better to like partner and use that tech because your future partners are likely using it already. And, and, and the thing is, is like, I did that, that had to have certainly got you to a market ready and revenue generation stage way faster. Is that correct? Way faster. No doubt. You know, and, and it's funny cause I once, I got lunch with uh, a, a, a regional sales or forget his exact title sales guy from Tableau uh, when he was in town. And, uh, you know, we were just talking and he said, you know, it's funny. I have so many marketing companies actually come to us and want to use Tableau to visualize their data. And we turn them away. I said, what do you mean you turn them away? He said, they want to use this really cool tool to visualize their data, but they, they're missing so many pieces and they are not tech savvy enough. And I said, okay, that's a really 
telling uh, piece of information. And so that's just the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of, you know, how we can really help and, and add to these tools that are already in, in, in market. Yeah, and it's treacherous terrain trying to build everything yourself. Um, you know, we've, we've had many guests and myself that have laid the sentiment down. It's like, you got to pick one or two things at most and get good at them in the beginning and let other things support you. There's, um, you know, now certain things that aren't going to be proprietary and stuff like that. And, you know, that, that's a different, that's a different subject, like whether you should build it or utilize it. But it's like, for example, I'm, I'm also the founder of Gigabook and Gigabook, like it, it's an online uh, scheduling tool. Like, but if, by integrating Google calendar with Gigabook, we have created a bridge to like anything and everything. I'm not trying to compete against Google calendar. Google calendar just doesn't have a very sophisticated on online widget or anything like that. And, you know, we never thought of it as like, Hey, I got to take out Google. I'm competing with Google. Like, hell no. Like how would we ever do that? And, and then everybody has a Google calendar. So right. think about where you can connect. And then those things, because if you don't, you're going to open your business and people, the first thing they're going to ask is, do you integrate with X? And it, it, so at, yep. it, with, with that coming up, was that early as you were creating your plan and getting ready to roll this out? Did you have, there's so many marketing tools and so many different things. How did you come How did you like prioritize or figure out what, where, who, why, and all of it? Yeah. So um, I just want to make a quick point before I uh, address that. Another thing is interesting is that you don't, this isn't something that only small or mid-sized companies do. Um, you know, we can talk about my story a little bit if you want, but I, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 27 so I could self-fund this. And so I wanted to preface the next fact, but I just bought my first kind of nice car, right? I got a, a BMW M340i and it, it was a big milestone as an entrepreneur who's been trying to do this for 10 years. But what's in, what I learned is that even somebody like a Toyota, they just came out with the new Supra, uses a BMW engine for their Supra because it, they have the BMW steering wheel. So I learned a lot about car. And so engineers and, and companies of all sizes, um, you know, really have to utilize and leverage others in today's market because that's how you're going to build the next thing is, and, you know, Amazon use utilizes, you know, the U S postal service. <laughs> so, you know, you just got to be really smart and leverage others in your, in your entrepreneur journey. But uh, yeah, so your question was like, how did I find this sort of white space in a very busy and cluttered market? Um, actually, well, who did you decide? Like, cause you look, when you have an infinite amount of things to connect to, like you got to kind of, you got to eat that elephant one bite at a time. Yeah. So obviously like Google, like Google's the, the, the big ads, like you got to, I mean, I, most people are buying ads there, but you know, so like once you get past a few of the painfully obvious ones, how, how did you determine what and where and how to, you know, you mentioned that Venn diagram. Well, yeah. how did you determine the second and third circles? So uh, in terms of connecting, in, in terms of connecting to data sources, we were going for Facebook and Google, Google ads uh, in the beginning, and we tried to build those ourselves. Um, and we went down and that was a, a big, big mistake. We had to turn back. And then we said, wait a second, there are actually people or there's actually companies right now that exist solely to build connections and they don't visualize the data. So these are data pipeline companies. And so I hadn't mentioned that earlier, but like, just like we 
we, we partnered with visualization companies. We also partnered with data pipeline companies. Um, and so these include companies like uh, Improvado um, and Fivetran. Those are two partners of ours. Uh, Fivetran just raised like $40 million by Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, Improvado um, also raised a bunch of money by people like founders from uh, uh, from like AdRoll, et cetera. So basically what we do is we're able to pull in hundreds of connections from these guys already. And we're already, you know, basically mixing uh, both of their resources. Essentially, you know, some one of them has 100, the other one has 200 connections or whatever that is. And we get to pull all 300 or whatever into, into our offering. And so that's really kind of in terms of connecting, that's where we uh, started or where we ended up. I think that that was also my point with Google Calendar. So, like a really well-known uh, connection hub is Zapier. Is it Zapier or Zapier or whatever, however you pronounce it? But for example, and they've been around for a while. But uh, you know, when as we built Gigabook, that was the thing. Like everybody we talked to, they were like, "Do you connect to something?" I'm like, "Not only do we not connect to it, I've never even heard of it." And so the, those kind of tools to uh, anything you can do to to not have to say no. That makes sense. Now, on the flip side, I didn't like Zapier too much because I don't like making someone subscribe to something to make my stuff work. So figure out where you can still bridge the gap there. But if they have something, because there's the thing, let's say 20 bucks a month if you're paid. And if it can connect them to like four different things, that makes a lot of sense. And by the way, if you work for Zapier, thank you very much for two years in a row putting Gigabook in your top 10 booking and appointment sites That's awesome get a hell of a lot of traffic from that and i just want to say thanks so i was actually I, with those guys the weekend they founded it i know the guys well ah, <laughs> out of columbia yeah. And that's a, that's a cool company. And like I said, that was a problem because as a, and you know, you mentioned it from a development standpoint. So if you didn't, if you didn't have a tool like that, dude, there are literally so many things that any of, any of our platforms could connect to. We could have like a team of like 40 people just building integrations. And then here's the thing, then you have to maintain them and you have to manage them. And Google doesn't call you and tell you when they change something in their API. So it's, uh, you know, it's definitely valuable. And those are the kind of early tools, like I said, that can get you connected to a lot of stuff. If you're trying to build that all yourself, especially early, you're burning time, you're burning resources. It doesn't make any sense. It's funny, as we say that, I literally just got a Slack notification for a new paying user on Gigabook. So maybe that came from a Zapier referral. Um, but yeah, and, and, and you know, that's the kind of stuff too, is like look and see who can help accelerate your partnership or your connections with stuff. So, all right, so we're discussing plans and things like that. Now, one thing that is certain when planning your startup is your projections and your plan will all be wrong. You will be right about some things and horribly wrong about others. I would love to hear something that you thought would go well or would do something that just, like, where did it crater? What's, and, yeah. you, and hopefully you look back at it now and you laugh, like you yeah. laugh a little bit, but get, give us an example. I laugh and also worry that I'm probably in the middle of two other things that are completely wrong. <laughs> but, uh, hey, you'll not, you never know until you know. Exactly. No, I think uh, one, our, our origin is, is just such a, an example of being wrong, uh, or at least not, I wasn't the right person for that, that idea. So the reason, you know, PenPath has data and it's the reason, you know, we have data in our genetic makeup, if you will, was because in 2014, um, we actually were a completely, 
uh, different company. Um, we were sort of an IMDB for online content creators. And so essentially, if you were uh, contributing to five blogs and you had a YouTube channel and you had a, your own website, you can paste the URLs of all this information and, and we would automatically pull in all your social impact, your link backs, all this inf all this data. And we started to build this and we had some early traction. Um, but that was around the time where you guys may all be obviously familiar with the Cambridge Analytica. Um, it was the Wild West in 2013, 14, where you could actually ask these social networks for a lot of their open available data or, their, or you could get firehose access, et cetera. And uh, so we raised a little bit of money and from a couple of angel investors and uh, we, um, you know, it, it, you started to see these companies be acquired or, or just shut down their, their firehose access. And, you know, essentially we had to shut it down, too, uh, for those reasons. And so the big lesson there was like trying to boil the ocean or trying to get something that's such a, you know, if I if you're not a developer yourself, which I wasn't, I was hiring developers, um, you shouldn't have such, something that's so development you know, need, you know, based, uh, at its foundation. So what you're talking about is, you know, basically trying to achieve data driven growth. So without, okay. Now, first off, trying to drink out of a fire hose that's on is not possible. And at the same time, if it's not on at all, you're not going to get a drop of water, which I think was the point you were just making. Yep. So, you know, and, and according to some data is now the most valuable thing on the planet, which is kind of wild. Uh, so how do you help achieve, help your users, clients, whomever, uh, achieve data-driven growth without open access to every fire hose? Yeah. So, it, you know, I think everybody says, uh, the economist, uh, I think said that data is the new oil or whatever. And, right. and, and I don't really believe that. I don't believe that it's necessarily, the data that's really valuable. Um, so I think of it like everybody has more oil than they know what to do with, you know, and, and they, it's, did, they did last month when it, <laughs> when they were paying you to take it, <laughs> exactly. yeah, which is weird yeah. because there's too much of it, right? Oil is only great if there's very little and everybody needs it, but everybody has more data than they know what to do with. So I believe that, you know, companies like ours can be seen as like the refinery that turns that oil into gasoline. And so, um, you know, in terms of why we do what we do is we work with all the data that you have as a company internally. So if you're a marketer and you're spending 25,000, 100,000, a million dollars, I mean, it doesn't matter how much you're spending, but if you're spending a significant chunk of change every month, these tools that you spend it through have that data and that should be your data. You're spending it on their platforms. And so that really shifted our, our understanding from, hey, you know, there's a lot of data out there versus there's a lot of data you already own and you already, you don't even understand that. So don't even worry about the data that's out there. And then from there, refining that data into something that's usable into information that you can understand. So you guys are using quite a bit of data analysis, automation, AI, machine learning, and you know, we're not, we don't have to get too nerdy with that, but you know, the reason that you're seeing this huge ups, uptick and, and funding pour into companies like this is because exactly like Alex mentioned, the, the amount of data can be overwhelming and it's very difficult to, well, okay. So humans are biased where our own opinions affect our perceived outcome or predictions. And sometimes it's like, I love optimistic people, but they can look at data. We're really trending up. And the thing is, is the machines are not, they are very, they are zeros and ones. 
And, and that's, and also there's literally so much information in some cases, I just completed a, a little research, research project on data science and like the amount of data that is required to be kept by cell phone companies literally takes up server farms. Jeez. And so the thing is, is what do you do with that data and how do you look through it? It is completely impossible for people to get into it. So like, what's your approach at that? Like, how do you figure any of that out? And like, what's important and what isn't? Yeah, so we we were we were initially thinking, oh my gosh, so if we're going to build these incredible dashboards that bring it all together, um, you know, people are going to see that and then right away see opportunity. And then we we made a big mistake because we didn't realize that different people are different, you know, can read data differently. Some people can see it and right away they see insights. And other people, maybe, you know, more creative people or executives, they just get lost and they're like, I it's too much, man. And it's like, really? It's a few things. It's too much for you already. And so we had to really, uh, you know, that's kind of where the art comes in is is building certain foundations of how you present that information, that data in a way that's that's understandable, that's actionable, that's insightful. And that's, you know, that's something that we're still, you know, continuing to push the need, you know, push the, the boundaries on. But, uh, you know, ultimately, it comes down to understanding, you know, what are your main KPIs? And then what are the what are the metrics that influence those um, that you can that you can access right now, then you get into like, hey, you know, maybe I don't have access to those. Okay, well, what are the next best ones that you can use to truly build the story around how you're growing and how you're really performing? And, uh, you know, it does get into data science into attribution modeling into, um, you know, forecasting, and there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of comp- complexity into making, you know, that data useful and informative. Yeah. And that's the whole, that's the whole thing is, is it becomes really overwhelming fast. Like even if you're just a small to medium sized company, like, I mean, there's a lot now The th- remember, okay. So something people have said to me so many times when I talk to them about CPC cost per click advertising they say i tried it and it didn't work and i say did you get clicks and they're like yeah but no one bought anything i was like that's not the clicks fault the the job of cpc is to deliver clicks and traffic now what you do with it on the other side of that that's on you like and let's assume that you are just mildly coming close to an appropriate target audience now a lot of people aren't and I'll give you an example. We were talking about failure a minute ago. So when we first started advertising for Gigabook, I'm not sure why that's such a hot topic today, but um, we would we would have a looking for terms like appointment software. We hadn't really discovered the negative keywords yet. So we would find that a lot of people were finding us because they wanted to make an appointment at the DMV. Yep. They'd be like online appointment scheduling. Right. And then it would say Baltimore DMV and we would show up and we were burning like, like a lot of money. And I very quickly learned about negatives, but the thing was, is so those weren't our, those weren't the right clicks, but the people that were, that's the CPC, that's CPC's job is to drive traffic now. And, and I don't know if you do or not, do you do anything to help a user figure out what to do with it after the click occurs? Um, well, we really like to stay, uh, draw a very clear line between we can make the, we can build the reports that you need and tell a story with your data, but ultimately it's up to you to maybe hire a company to develop your website, to de- improve your app and maybe use that data to support that. But we, 
we sort of, uh, outside of you seeing your top 10 or whatever metric insight you want, your top performing X and why, you know, maybe the behavioral data that we have, right? So, you know, look at your website, you know, what's your, what are your landing pages? What's the data behind those? What are people behaving and converting? Um, like, that's really what we try to like outline in our analysis for our clients. Yeah. Now you've mentioned uh, working with your clients. Is there, do you have a consultative service or department? Is that part of it? Or is it more like their success is yours as well? It is. It's very, it's a lot more. So we're sort of, uh, you know, if you're out there thinking about, you know, doing this, there's a lot of companies that already do, you know, standard reporting and connect to a bunch of data sources. And these are a lot of times more affordable. So, you know, these include companies like Dasharoo or TapClicks. These are big players in the market. But if you're a company and you're spending a good chunk of money every month, we say usually at a minimum of, I don't know, anywhere from 15 to 25,000 a month minimum, you start needing something a little bit more premium. And that's where we really come in. Um, these other companies just cannot touch our data capabilities and data modeling. And so, um, you know, in terms of, of, you know, how we help and consult, a lot of it happens uh, up front, um, training our clients to be more data driven, doing our, our helping them set up a measurement strategy. And then we, we should uh, set up great dashboards and automated reports so that they it's more so like a once a month touch base with our clients and make sure that they're utilizing the, the technology um, in, in the best way possible. But they'll always want more like they'll, you know, a good client for us is like, oh, my gosh, like this is so insightful. Hey, can, can you guys pull this? Can I see this? Can I see demographics across, you know, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and Google all in one demographic dashboard? And that's where like, yeah, we develop that for our clients and they just keep getting, you know, better and better and more data driven over time. By the way, I invented a word for what you just described. It's called democation. Okay. <laughs> and if, like if you can demonstrate and educate at the same time on yeah. in, in anywhere in your platform, you're really winning because it's a two for one and it makes a lot of sense. And like, I think a lot of people that, so what, and once again, like Gigabook getting a lot of love today, we, because it's a fully customizable platform, it was a strength and a weakness. So we really quickly realized that we had a lot of capability, but not, but the assumption that anyone would find it, would even look for it, or knew that it was a possible was dumb. So we put just a, like a simple explainer video, like there's just a little icon. It looks like an old camera with a question mark on it. You click it and it pops open a video. There's no intro. There's no outro. It gets right down to business and shows that. you what that page does. And so that's demonstrating and educating, democation. I think I invented the word. I'm not sure. I've, I've been claiming I have for a I while. I haven't heard it yet. So yeah. So, but, but, it, but I think it's, it really makes a lot of sense because, yeah. you know, a successful user is probably a longer term user. Now you're talking about things with data, data science, massive amounts of data. And that's why that's probably important because it can feel really overwhelming to a lot of people, even seasoned marketers. I'm a seasoned marketer and some stuff I'm like, dude, like, I'm trying to accomplish two things here, not 6,000. So, yep. um, you know, a quick question, kind of off track. At any point, did you have to go back and completely revise your new user or client onboarding flow? All the time, man. I mean, it is a never ending and completely dynamic process for us. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's something with, I'm such a, 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 I'm so adamant about that. Like if you're building software, start with that, start with that. Cause 
don't assume anyone's going to care enough to figure out how to set it up on the way in. Like, right. uh, so, you, you know, Gigabook has a thing called, uh, we call it smart start. Yeah. We ask you five questions at the beginning. And from those five questions, we determine we can very easily and very intelligently determine what you need to set up on the way in. Yeah. I was very paranoid at first that, and we won't let you in without filling it out because once we looked at our own data, we realized that 0% of people that that skipped the smart start process were converting. And that's because it's like, you know, you get someone in and they look at a dash, an empty dashboard, an empty calendar. And the way that's set up, it's about taking service bookings, but where do you enter a service or set that up? And, and you know, but I really think that the, the, the future unicorn startups and platforms just are going to be amazing at onboarding the ones that they exist are. now already are too like yeah. how quick and easy is it to set up a twitter account and make a tweet that's a great yeah. example so it is okay i like what you guys are doing here um and and this is i mean definitely a problem we're solving now when it comes to data science and machine learning i think that both are, are quite misunderstood um, what are a couple of things that you've learned about either that we'll put on a on a blue collar level, not data science or developers, but for for the normal for the for the not as smart as those guys, people like me, yeah. like what's a couple of things you figured out or learned? Yeah, so it's interesting because like you think of all these, you know, and anytime anybody, you know, tells you or gives you these terms, always try to dig in a little bit into the application. How are they actually using it? How much information is whatever data science fancy widget taking in to actually learn. Um, so really what, what we started to understand or my journey in understanding, you know, the application of something like a, like a, like machine learning or data science was that you have to really train whatever model you're using. And there are already open, great open source uh, technologies that allow people to feed it information and it spits out maybe a prediction. Um, and so one thing that, that I learned is I stopped calling it prediction. I started now calling it forecasting um, or where is it trending towards? And that really removes the stigma of ever being able to predict, you know, at least where we're at as a company, where your marketing's going. But now we can actually start looking forward into where are, where's our revenue headed? Where's our return on ad spend headed? Um, that's been key for us. Um, and we're now, you know, like I said, we don't say we're forecasting you're going to make a million dollars. We're saying that's where you're trending based on a lot of really, really good insights using machine learning. So, you know, one of the things I, I mentioned, I kind of did my own junior level data science and machine learning. Some of it was just honestly to be able to have intelligent conversations with some of our clients. And yet, so fullscale.io, that's the other business that I own with the other map who isn't here today. We employ a bunch of data science and machine learning people. Like, here's the thing, they're hard to find because it's still relatively new technology. So I was like, what am I even looking for here? Uh, a running joke at the full scale office was after going to TechCrunch uh, last fall was everything uh, with our new machine learning algorithm, like everything had machine learning in it. And it's, and it's obvious, honestly, overcomplicated. Like it can just be s as simple as looking, like you mentioned, looking at trends keep it simple. Like you can build your own kind of stuff very quickly or easily by determining what should outrank others. I'll give you an example at full scale. We know that companies with 10 to 100 employees are in our strike zone. 
We know if you have a chief technology officer, like we found that at some point that, that you likely are the, a, a potential client because you don't have a CTO if you don't do tech and just some simple things like that, where we were able to rank certain things higher and certain things low. Cause there's a world of data out there. I mean, you can go to like a lot of sites and buy an unlimited amount of data, but what you do with it's the hard part. So right. you can create some basic stuff. And then we incorporated some of that, like back into gigabook, like making your user experience better. So rule one for me when building anything is, is this annoying? If the answer is yes, or even maybe you have work to do. So an example, like in gigabook as it learns as you go and it will, cause I don't want to make you drop down your list of services and always have to go down to S because your service that starts with S, it just happens to be, you know, alpha sorted. Yeah. So if that's your most t popular one, after a, about a week, it just starts to be the, like, that's the choice. And, exactly. and those are the little goofy things that they sound goofy and they don't, they might not sound important, but that makes a user experience remarkably better. Yep. Have you, or do you guys do anything like that to just kind of like shorten the path to a result? Um, I mean, it's just, it just has to be, what we've noticed is that people were so, you give them all the, the, the information of how they're doing, how they're, you know, the results they're, they're getting, Hey, your revenue is growing or grew last year by whatever percentage or whatever amount. And it's just more so where are you going this year? And now you can go to your investors. Now you can go to your, your team and say, here's where we're going. And it's like looking forward with the information, not looking backwards. And I think that's just the key of applying things like data science and, and machine learning is keeping it simple, like you said, and making it usable. Um, and so that's really where our focus is. And I think so many companies try to make that like, it's a feature. It's not like our data science capabilities are features of the overall solution. It's not, you know, we're not betting the, you know, betting everything on that. So well, you know, people buy benefits, not features. And I exactly. say that a lot, like, and too many people get, they want to sit there and try to sell the features, right? Cut to the chase, man, they buy the benefits. So like features advantages benefits. If you ever find yourself talking about a feature, you need to follow that by describing your advantages over anything else and the benefit of what you're, of what you're providing. So with that, what's an advantage that PenPath, and once again, go to penpath.com and check them out. What's an advantage that you have or a benefit that you have that outclasses your competition? So our benefits just really to provide clarity in a, in a busy world in terms of how to maximize your budget and time and how to increase your budget that you're getting as a marketer. You know, ultimately you need, you need budget. Ultimately you need to perform better and having our clients uh, reduce the amount of time that they have to sift through all this data and, and saving you time and making you better and making your life easier as a marketer who's overwhelmed is such a benefit for us. And, you know, that's really kind of uh, as, as a benefit relates to your job, um, making your life easier. And then the benefit for the company is you're minimizing wasteful spending and maximizing your return on investment. And right now with so many options, everybody's, uh, you know, there's nobody that's saying, man, I'm in marketing or, or I'm in, in tech and I have so much time on my plate. Your, your, yeah. your baseline is you're, you're too busy to do anything. Yeah. 
And so using great calendar tools like you, like, like yours or, or outsourcing their development if they need an app or, or a website or using marketing intelligence companies, it's just so much, it just makes, you know, your company more successful at the, at the end of the day. And so, you know, really figuring out what those benefits are, if there's any other entrepreneurs or business leaders out there is, is something that's, that takes surprisingly a lot of, of, of work, you know, you'd think, oh yeah, well benefits, let me just spit these out. But we've spent hours trying to synthesize, you know, how you're helping people and how you're helping their business. Um, and so that's really what, you know, a few of the, the benefits that we offer. You, you had a couple that I want to re I want to re highlight. Cause I think when you start thinking about features, advantages, benefits, by the way, fab FAB, easy to remember that you hit a couple. Okay. Uh, saving time. Mm-hmm is a big one. And then peace of mind, you will find that people will value those two over and above whatever else you're building. So you're like, Oh, I want to make people help them sell more. I want to help them spend more. (laughs) Okay. Those are cool, but peace of mind and saving time do that as well, but you can't put a price on peace of mind. Right. And, and that's like something I grossly underestimated building gigabook was the feedback, I thought people would be happy to have a more efficient online experience. They're like, you unchained us from our business. Yeah. Because like they were getting calls at one in the morning and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? The internet never closes. You can take bookings online and do a lot of different stuff and put yourself back in a position of not being your own admin or stuff like that. And a lot, you know, most businesses are one person. Like, like we think of businesses in the U S as being big, the, the over, like in the 90% range are literally like sole proprietor, maybe a second person at best. So when you can give someone that time back and, and my, my friend, Blake Miller, uh, uh, the founder of homebase.ai first brought me up to the, the concept of time arbitrage. Time is not something you can make more of. You have a finite amount of it every day. It's up to you how you use it, like whether you sleep, whether you I wrote a book about finding balance between your personal, professional and physical life. You got to you. It's up to you to determine where you're using your effort. And, yeah. you know, so and, and by the way, when you have peace of mind or a, a, just a greater sense of trust and some of that stuff, oh, man, you, the world opens up for you. You yeah. can actually see things differently. Because you're not sitting there worried about dumb shit you shouldn't be worried about that you can probably solve for a couple bucks a month. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's it's so fun like to do this exercise that we figured out works well with with our customers. And I would encourage anybody to really calculate that if you can for your customers. And the way we do it is we we say, how much time are you currently spending building reports every week or month? And so and that's your time. How much time of your whole team is it spending? And so sometimes you can get answers like 90 hours. We have, you know, we're trying to, you know, we're, we're closing and we've closed people that are saying, you know, absurd amount of time. They're up to 2 a.m. in the morning building these reports. And then we say, okay, you know, if you had all this information automated and instead of spending 90 hours building a report, maybe you could spend 90 hours if you want analyzing your data and making better decisions. How much more revenue would you make? Okay, maybe you increase your revenue by 5%. I don't know. You, They can tell me, right? I'll put that onus on them. And so what's the swing of all the time you save and the additional revenue you generated? And then you, whatever our price is, hopefully our price is significantly less or lower than, than that ultimate swing. And then it's a no-brainer. So anytime you're selling to a company or another person, 
try to do those calculations if you can and you know make it really apparent on like okay you give me a dollar but you're going to get five in return yep. do that all day <laughs> now look i've found that people grossly undervalue their own time and I see so many right. people make that. Oh, I could do that myself. I could do that myself. I could do that myself. I'm like, cool. Cause the replacement value is like n next to nothing. Yeah. And you know, that's like that, that's important. So, you know, I, I love topics like this so much that we cruised right through this episode. So once again, with us today, Alex Cruz, CEO and founder of PenPath, click the link, check them out. We end episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the Founders Freestyle. I'm going to give you an opportunity to share your past knowledge or even information from today to give a brief statement uh, about what you've learned as a, as a startup founder and how could you, I, I don't know, what's something and the first thing that comes to mind is usually right. So what kind of knowledge would you like to drop on the world, Alex? Man, uh, first of all, thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, the knowledge I'd like to drop, I'm just thinking about my own experience. And I would say that, you know, just don't give up if you're out there, if you're grinding, um, don't ever give up, you know, give it all you have, because, you know, ultimately, um, that's what it's going to take. And so when it's lonely, and you're the only one in that room at night, um, just remember that other people have gone through that exact phase. And, uh, you know, if you keep at it, really good things will happen. Well, well stated, sir. Um, I'm going to focus mine a little. I'm going to make this a little more centric around around today's topic and your sure. product. So, look, I have found that most people don't know shit about shit when it comes to selling. They think yeah. they do, and they think they know a lot about marketing. You can burn through a lot of money trying to give yourself an education that a product like PenPath will provide for you. And, you know, if you're early stage, that money matters. Now, there is nothing more validating than revenue. So use tools, stuff like that. We had a lot of great points today about like, hey, don't try to build it, buy it. Or, and, you know, certain things like that. If you're trying to raise capital, if you're trying to gain traction, or you're trying to grow your business, give stuff like PenPath a, a try because, you know, like, I mean, here's the thing is, nothing sales cures ales, man, like sales, nothing happens in a business till something's sold. So whether you're a marketing manager or a founder or anyone like, you know, I just really want to encourage you to automate anywhere and everywhere possible. Cause the cool stuff about things like pen path, you only need to set it up and dial it in once mm -hmm. you get it right. Now you can move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, and, you know, if it's not something that you are, are, inherently passionate about doing yourself offload it man automate it daisy chain it together do whatever you need to do because there's probably more important things that you can do with your time with that i'm gonna end today's episode because i gotta go sign up for pen path and get my shit straightened out i was mentioning earlier i had that data problem but i, I get into it so man thanks for joining me and uh, I'd like to follow up and see where you guys end up down the road because I, I love talking about marketing. Yeah, same, Matt. Thanks for having me, brother. It was a pleasure. Yep. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.